About this film, these Letterboxd users had this to say. Lebowski Do says it's not musically accurate, historically speaking, but forgivable. Dan Epler calls it a really solid western with great suspense and family drama. And Count Tricula says, "Oh, you hear that? That's the sound of the world's tiniest banjo playing a sad symphony for the Confederacy." On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Love Me Tender. Sequel. Re re reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. Greetings very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome. Thank you very Welcome. much for listening to, to an episode of our show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that we're doing an episode about an Elvis movie, one that, you know, I've certainly known the song Love Me Tender. It's kind of a staple of learning to play the piano. At least that's what I remember oh. it most from in our household growing right. up. Right. Yeah. Yes. Or or its original form, the Civil War ballad, Aura Lee. The, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Dan... Before we launch into talking about Love Me Tender, first, I want to say hello, everybody. This is a podcast where we talk about cult and classic movies and kind of imagine what they would be like if we brought them back these days uh, in in one form or another. So uh, how can we make uh, how can we make an original idea out of unoriginality? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know. It's always it's been around for forever. Well, since movies have been around. Yeah. So uh, before we get started with this, I did want to uh, mention, you know, it, it's interesting because we were supposed to record this episode a few days ago. I was feeling a little blah just because I've been overworked <laughs> and uh, I'm glad that we did. Uh, and since the day that we were supposed to record and now uh everyone i'm sure has heard of helena hutchins the the director of photography who was killed on set of a western due to a uh, a blank being fired in a prop gun and uh, a complete tragedy that could have been avoided should have been avoided it's uh, an issue that I have with movies with guns in them. Uh, it's one of the many issues I have with movies with guns in them. And it just, you know, makes a stronger case for adding in, you know, gunfire in post-production and, and avoiding using these dangerous methods to begin with because, uh, avoidable. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's film and it's the 21st century. And I'm pretty sure like the iPhone 13, even you could just add a very realistic, like, yeah, it's not going to break the budget to, to add, right. uh, digitally add that in. I mean, if Steven Spielberg can turn the guns in ET into walkie talkies, that's then right. Surely yeah. 
you know, but any, but that n- <laughs> but neither, no. neither here nor there. It's, it's a, yeah. And, and I, I did find it fitting that, you know, we weren't going to be talking about a Western and in this movie, it's one of the first American movies to use squibs in uh gunfire in the, uh, in, in the movies. The first, I believe was river of no return, at least for American movies, with uh, Marilyn Monroe and Robert Mitchum, which was uh, a couple years before this, and uh, yeah, so it's just interesting to to see that you know since the fifties, have we really come much further in the way that we have uh, prop weaponry on set? Or I mean, and maybe I'm just looking into this. Maybe I'm looking for something that's not there. But isn't it interesting which aspects have evolved and which aspects we've held on to? It's kind of like, yeah. is there this need that we have to like fire a pro? And I mean, just speaking of it, having had like acting experience uh-huh. and acting, there's I, there's something about it that does give you this sense of like strength and and power there's something about like uh you know and it's one of the things i love about acting is that you know you can pretend and you can kind of simulate the the sense without actually needing to handle an actual firearm yeah but your body is your tool when you're an actor yeah, I mean, look, look, I don't need a prop firearm. I've got my hand. I have got fingers. I, yeah, I've got the Meisner method. That's right. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I did study the Meisner method and no, no. Did you? Meisner, Meisner method, no, Meisner method would be all about like using an actual gun and like, oh, you have to fire a gun in the show. Well, then you should be, you sh- maybe not using an actual gun on stage, but like, you're not being a responsible actor if you don't actually know what it feels like to fire a gun. And I'm sorry, I, if any the Meisner enthusiasts out there are, uh, you know, already drafting their emails to ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com <laughs> with their uh, their complaints and, and corrections. I'm exaggerating a bit, but just that's what I remember learning about Meisner was like, no, like, you know, yes, I need if I'm a Meisner actor and I'm on the set, I need the I need actual water to come out of the sink. And yeah, and, and take as much just, of the acting out of acting as possible. And also, just for the record, I uh, I pulled that name out, just was like in that split second being like, what's a particular method of acting that could sound funny right now? And Meisner <laughs> was the one. Oh, uh, you had no idea. Oh, I had yeah. no idea. So, uh, yeah, and of course, not to uh, make light of the situation at all, because complete, complete tragedy could have been avoided, and hopefully will change things moving forward. I have to say, before we move on from the subject, though, one thing that I, I thought was really interesting about most of the press coverage was that I think almost every, like, headline or, like, clickbaity tweet that I saw about it framed it as though Alec Baldwin was yes. a murderer. I there know. was one yeah. headline I saw that was like director of photography killed in, you know, prop gun firing and like, you know, an, a headline that was just kind of, you know, I don't know, reporting what happened. Right. Versus like Alec Baldwin kills woman on set. I know. And I I feel for Alec Baldwin. This is not his fault. It's, you know, he was reportedly told that everything was safe. Yes. And yeah. 
there was some due diligence that wasn't done. But yeah. ultimately, it comes down to just like this is a it's a tragedy. It it shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't have happened when it happened in 1993 to Brandon yeah. Lee. And yeah. it certainly like considering that shouldn't have happened this past week. Yeah. And it, in 93, things should have changed. No. You know, but but, the, but Alec Baldwin is not to blame in the business no. as a whole and the practices of the business as a whole are, yeah. you know, there's some accountability there. Yeah. And that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's the guy who taught Elvis how to dance. Uh, exactly. I will, I will reference that any opportunity I have. So thank you. Uh, anytime. Anytime. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And it, you believe me, I thought about it a lot while watching Love Me Tender because he busts out these moves where it's just like, okay, all right, Elvis. And, uh, <laughs> you know, this, this Elvis movie, you know, this is his very first movie. He comes into this wanting to be a serious actor. He had no interest in singing in movies because he wanted this just to be a different aspect of his career completely. But his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, wanted him to sing in his movies as a way to cross promote. And, you know, Colonel Tom Parker was certainly, you know, a lot of people have a lot of different things to say about him. Uh, Elvis seemed to have appreciated his approach and gives him credit for building his career. But uh, I could have used a straight up acting performance because that's what I was most drawn to while watching this movie is to be like, man, this is Elvis before like everything just goes completely bananas for him. Things are like mildly bananas for him. Yeah, it's I mean, this is what, 1956. So. Yes, this is just after Heartbreak Hotel. And yeah. that was like enough to get people like pretty riled up. But man, oh man, <laughs> after this, forget it. Yeah, it's and, uh, it, you know, yeah, it is kind of it, it when when Elvis starts when when Elvis starts basically like not being the character Clint Reno and just is Elvis. Yeah. It, yeah, it does. It does kind of take you out of it. And he as as an actor, I, I this is the, my first time watching um, an Elvis movie. So I did study Elvis concert films for my brief stint as an Elvis impersonator. Right. In 2002. So yeah. uh, I have no photos or video or anything of any of that to share. So unless someone wants to scour the internet and find like, I, I must have done like a handful of like 50th birthday parties for, you know, some usually it was a woman turning 50 and it was her, you know, big Elvis fan. So uh, I would come in and had the jumpsuit and had a had a wig. I mean, I still had my actual hair then. Um, <laughs> I don't I, I I I do not now. Um, full disclosure, because uh, yeah. you may have no idea what I actually look like, but uh, I Yep, no hair uh, now, but uh, it still had the Elvis wig and the aviator like sunglasses and the um, yeah, like the big jumpsuit. And I'd come in, I'd have the scarf, and they'd play like the the two thousand the the Al Al Sprachzatura, um, the two thousand one right, yeah. 
and and I'd come in and I studied like the whole walk and like and, you know come thank you thank you very much thank you right and and then I would do a couple of songs and I didn't do love me I don't I, don't, I didn't do love me tender love me tender isn't really a, like a crowd stopper like you know it's not gonna make any anybody just be like oh my god yes this is Elvis in his purest form you know like jailhouse rock you know hound dog like those are the ones that you know you do at the the 50 year old birthday parties I did the wonder of you there I mean there was kind of like a set uh-huh. there were a couple that I had to do there were some staples and this was like this is they're there's, they're paying to hear the wonder of you uh, uh-huh. so I do the wonder of you and, uh, man, did I do can't help falling? In, I feel like I must've, I did can't help falling in love. Like maybe once okay. or twice think, I don't know that I did hound dog. Um, I, I might've done don't be cruel. That might've oh, been, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to think of like the Bobby the Brown song that I know. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Well, didn't I tell you <laughs> I switched from Elvis to Bobby Brown, like mid, it was a medley They're of don't be cruel. the same. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, I never watched any of Elvis's movies. Uh, so this was my first right. time. And yeah, I enjoyed I, I like enjoyed his performance. We'll talk about the movie in a few minutes and we'll talk yeah. about some of the other things about it. But like there, he had these moments that I was, uh, I, was I was like, oh, man, like he's got but he's got potential. He could have been like an actually just like good actor if Tom Parker would have let him just act, act instead of, you know, being a just performer and entertainer. And Dan, I this is Elvis's first movie. Do you know what his last movie was as as a as an actor? Oh, um was it was it Viva Las Vegas? Change of Habit. Dan, do you want to know what the movie Change of Habit is about? There are nuns involved. There are nuns involved. Uh so let me see if I can find Is it like, like Nuns quick... on the Run? He plays Dr. Carpenter, who's a physician in a ghetto who falls for a coworker, Michelle Gallagher, unaware that she is a nun. This is the one that has like in the ghetto, the song in the ghetto, right? Yes. Yes. And uh, and it's with with Mary Tyler Moore. And I'm looking, I'm reading this description. I was like, man, we should have done this one. But maybe we'll maybe we'll come back to it because I'm sure that this isn't the last Elvis movie that we'll do. Oh, no. At least I hope not. Yeah. No. Well, we're going to do Change of Habit at some point. Change of Habit sounds great. Maybe we'll do a month of like none movies. I mean, too bad we already did uh, um, Sister Sister Act. Act. Yeah, but well, uh, that's okay. We'll do on nuns the on the run, change of habit. We'll figure some some other ones out. Doubt. We could do doubt. Everybody's <laughs> clamoring for a sequel. Spotlight. <laughs> yes, that's got some nuns in. Um, well, no, none, none of that. Okay. Uh, do you want to hear a little bit of a synopsis? Dan? How about a synopsis of Love Me Tender, please? I, I know that you don't need it. You just watched it. But uh, hey, and this is another one where Stars has come in to save the day. Stars, the streaming platform Stars and channel, has been a clutch player. When and... you need it, Stars is there. Yep. All right, here we go. Unaware that the war of northern aggression had ended, a small group of Confederate soldiers follow through on a task to rob a Union payroll train. Once they find out that Lee surrendered, they decide to split the loot and lay low. Three members of the group are brothers, Vance, Brett, and Gavin Reno. They return home after four years away to discover that everyone had been told that Vance had died in the war. 
This would make his return a big surprise for their mother, and especially his fiancée, Kathy. But when they get home, they find out that because of Vance's alleged death, Kathy ended up marrying the youngest Reno brother, Clint. Trying to be understanding and a kind older brother, Vance assures Clint that he and Kathy were just friends and he supports the marriage. This does not sit well with Kathy, who is in love with Vance. Some days later, the feds arrive with intel that the Vance boys have the stolen union payroll money. The brothers deny any involvement, but agree to accompany the fuzz into town for questioning. Meanwhile, the rest of the gang finds Clint and warns about the feds too late. They hatch a plan to hide the money. On the train ride, Vance agrees to give back the money with the guarantee that no harm will come on their family. But that's when the other guys arrive at the train with Clint. They break the boys free and they are officially on the lam, much to Vance's chagrin. Left with no other choice, they hatch a new plan and now Kathy gets involved. With a great deal of mistrust and toying of emotions, Clint and Vance devolve into a gunfight, resulting in one fewer Reno brother. Let's just say that Elvis has left the building. So, okay, I spoiled that ending. This came out in 55, 56? 56. So, yeah, so it's, you know. It's, it's been a long time. And there was some controversy with test screenings about the ending, so they had to add in an additional... I uh, like angelic, <laughs> you know. Elvis becomes a it. singing force ghost. Yes, he's a force ghost. <laughs> yeah, from beyond the grave, Elvis is there to guide you with song. Yeah, and and you know, okay, so um, Elvis plays Clint, and uh, we have Richard Egan as Vance, who's great. He's like a really awesome leading man. <laughs> he is. He well, I, as I'm watching the movie, I'm I'm watching the movie, and I'm like every time. I'm I'm starting to think like oh yeah and Richard Egan is so good that he almost makes you forget that like Vance also led a gang of like cold-blooded murderers that are Confederate soldiers yeah. fighting to keep slavery and and, yeah. and like every now and again I'd be watching the movie I'd be I'd be like man you know Vance is like Vance is so cool Vance is great oh except no he's a Confederate murderer yeah <laughs> yeah totally he's a proud boy. So uh, and then we have Deborah Paget as Kathy Reno, um, and she's she's great too. Yeah, uh, you know, um, mad respect to uh, to her for for her performance in this movie. She really does a uh, good job of like kind of balancing that conflict of kind of like she does yeah. have affection for Clint, but she's totally in sure. love with Vance, and yeah. And she, I, I like, I didn't feel like it was kind of the typical, like she was not doing a damsel in distress type thing. No, she definitely could handle her shit. You know, uh, it's established right when we meet her that like she does a lot of the work on their farm or whatever. And, uh, you know, you see her kind of getting down and dirty. She's, she's, she's cool. There's a reason why everybody in the Reno family wants to marry her. And she seems to hate the Union Army more than anyone. I mean, she's all like, like she yeah, does not hesitate was... to help them out, <laughs> like to help. The, oh, the, totally. The, the the Renos. I uh, yeah, I didn't I can't say I loved the fact that they were in the Confederacy. And, you know, it's it was interesting, though, because when they find out that the war is over and that Lee surrenders, it's not like they're broken up about it it's kind of just like a all right well we can go home now so uh 
Let, I mean, let's just listen. Let's listen yeah. to that scene. What's your regiment, soldier? Fifth Louisiana Rifles. Oh, what's left of them? Where's Randall's outfit? Well, all the cavalry disbanded two or three days ago. Scattered every which way so they wouldn't have to give up the horses. You fellas would be wise to do likewise before the Yanks come and confiscate them. Wait a minute, what are you talking about? What's happened? What's happened? You mean you ain't heard? General Lee surrendered to Grant four or five days ago. Appomattox Coathouse in Virginia. Surrendered? You're crazy. No, that's a fact, Lieutenant. All of us give up our guns in Shreveport last Monday. So the war's over. We can all go home. If we got one left to go to. I'm going to guess Richard Egan is not actually, is not from Texas. Uh, yeah, uh, you don't get that impression. <laughs> Who told you? He almost sounds like he's from the Northeast. Which he maybe I could probably look into that, uh, but yeah, I, I thought about that watching the movie because also like the brothers Brett and Ray also right don't the the two middle brothers who are kind of just I feel like they've just like kind of figured out like that Vance is cool and they're like we should just like there's no sibling rivalry here we're like we're no. just gonna he's the best and we're gonna yeah the, those two guys are kind of just there they don't really add much uh richard egan by the way um i don't have so he went to university of san francisco for undergrad and then stanford for graduate so okay. i'm gonna assume he would he grew up probably in northern california yeah, uh, that would that would make sense. And his son, I believe, founded I think Vagrant Records, um, or, or some other like very '90s record label, <laughs> like LA. That's like an LA based. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember them from when I was you know growing up. That was like one of those. They have some like ska punk. No. Oh, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. I think, you know, it was that time where, like, every everybody kind of dabbled in ska. Like, Goldfinger. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, let me let me look that up really quick. Vagrant so, yeah, Records. so Richard Egan was born in San Francisco. And, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, founder Rich Egan, and they did emo, punk, indie rock, alternative. Yeah, so, exactly. So, uh, I, I, I don't know, yeah. So, the thing is, like, it was the confederacy you you can't go too long without reminding yourself oh yeah but these guys are also like the bad guys and they're yeah yeah sorry it sounds like i'm about to disagree with that i think the i think what really like keeps you reminding that is that the movie starts with them plotting to kill these union soldiers and take their uniforms and then steal money. It's like the first, I don't know, 10 minutes of the movie is devoted to these guys like killing, posing as union officers and then pulling off a a heist. So you're not, you don't meet them. They don't make a good first impression or they, at least they shouldn't. Yeah. You know, I, I was trying to do some research. I was really wondering if there was, and I didn't see anything, but I was wondering if there were any, you know, uh, recent films that are kind of like heist movies that kind of have the same essential plot. Not the like, oh, I thought you were dead, so I married your little brother plot, but the whole like, 
there was a, a robbery involved because of a you know a, a dispute that got squashed so they just took the money for themselves and had to deal with you know the the results of of having to either give back the money and the double crossing and all that kind of stuff i don't know it just feels like there's a lot of opportunities to to use that kind of uh as a as an outline for something in i don't know any time in any place really yeah i mean the whole idea of uh of soldiers who like i like the the idea of soldiers who go on fighting a war because they don't know it's over Th- that i that concept is is interesting um yeah i mean you know i'd rather not be rooting for the confederate soldiers so yeah. there's that but it, i i just th- i feel like yeah had they not st- opened the movie with like making you think like these are bad guys and Vance is the leader of the bad guys. Yeah. But then he ends up like, just like being this really nice understanding guy. Who's very kind to his little brother guy. Yeah. It's really conflicting. It's definitely a really bizarre one. And that's like when we were talking about, you know, the decision to do this movie and we saw that that was the plot. It was like, what? Oh, uh, all right. Uh, and, and I know that like, okay, the, the time that this comes out, it's like a hundred years after the civil war, but it's still, you know, we're still in that kind of generational period where it's, you know, the, the ancestry is still fresh from that time. There's, uh, and, and, you know, Elvis, he's a, he's a Southern boy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm sure there were plenty of people who, you know, have you know feelings about like well you know and people still do have those feelings that the the confederacy what the civil war wasn't about slavery it was about this this and that you know that that use that argument states rights damn it states rights have slaves so i and and for any of our listeners who maybe do feel that way um i mean these are our views, but we feel very strongly that the uh, the Confederate Army were the bad guys. I mean, look, like there's politics, and then there's just human rights, and you know, it, it, whether or not you yeah. individually uh, have feelings about slavery, if you fight a war for a side that is fighting to keep slavery as an institution, yes. yeah, we're not, if, we're not, if we're not going to are- both sides that. <laughs> Yeah, no, if you are coming to this podcast because you're just like, oh, finally, somebody's doing an episode about Love Me Tender, my favorite pro-Confederacy movie. Yeah, I'm sorry, this isn't the one for you. I'm Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of nice things to say about this movie, but the, the, sure, none of them and, about the Confederacy. Yeah, and I, you know, I feel bad just going to talk about the, this movie, you know, just about the actual movie itself. I felt bad for Richard Egan. Uh, I believe that he was mostly like a, a television actor and this was kind of like his way to kind of get into bigger motion pictures. And then like Elvis comes in and it's all people talk about when this movie comes up. Anything, Elvis any, put asses in seats. <laughs> he did. And, you know, it was because of him that the movie was changed from the title The Reno Brothers to Love Me Tender. Uh, yeah. To showcase this song that he's recorded, 
You know, another another interesting thing, it was funny because when you said you were doing some research, I was wondering if you were going to have done the same research that I did. And I didn't it, like I didn't dig deep. I didn't like, you know, pull an all nighter in the library or anything, <laughs> but in the uh, stacks. You know, I did a couple of different Google searches. Yeah. Uh, I, I rephrased my Google search. And yeah. I was wondering if studios, especially because like you said, this is not, I mean, it's actually, it's like maybe 90 years after the war, just about 90 years yeah. after the war ends. So you do still have, you know, you're within a generation or two yeah. of people who, who were, who, who were alive during the war. So I was wondering, I was like, I wonder if studios made films like this to kind of cozy up to Southern audiences, especially during, especially, well, especially like during the Cold War, when a lot of Hollywood is being painted as like lefty pinko commies. Yeah. Mm hmm. So I'm wondering if like the if the movie business was like, we got to play nice to the uh, Southern states. That's a really interesting thought. Did you find anything about that? I did not. No. Oh, okay. No. No, but... that's a really interesting theory. And, uh, you know, movie making is an industry. It's a business. It's and, a bi- yeah. you know, decisions aren't all creative decisions. A lot of them have to do with, you know, what gets people in the door, what gets asses in seats, what gets the money coming in. And uh, you're right. You know, it can't just be for... The uh, the Yanks, you know, <laughs> right? The coastal uh, elites, the, the coastal elites. Yeah, it's got to be for everybody, including those with ties to the Confederacy, right? And speaking, of, by the way, of Elvis being a Southern boy, uh, you know, born in uh, in Mississippi, I I have been to Elvis's childhood home. I've been to Graceland. Have you ever been to Graceland, John? I have never been to Graceland. I would love to go to Graceland. Wow! Yes. Graceland is one of those places that I recommend anyone go to because, wow, like just the fact that that someone turned the <laughs> bought a house and turned part of it like I don't want to I, I, I don't want to like do spoilers of Graceland, but <laughs> um, like when his. Uh, he moved his mother in with him right. and, and Elvis notoriously love, you know, uh, you know, very much a mama's boy. But he actually like took part of the house and had it built so that it looked like the inside of their home. You walk into this room and it's you feel like you're just in this modest, you know, like middle class home like, you know, Weird. a little like, you know, couch with plastic on it and a little TV. And then next thing you know, you're in the fucking jungle room where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Elvis was like, I want a big room that looks like a jungle. And and what there it makes was. Somebody go from like a. Uh, an entertainer who wants to just like earnestly act in movies to just going completely off the rails. Oh, man. I mean, Colonel Tom Parker. <laughs> Colonel Tom Parker. Yeah. Colonel Tom Parker and just the and it's like what when you've just got money coming in from everywhere and everything you do is like makes people go crazy. He also yeah. didn't he didn't tour like he stopped he didn't do concerts yeah. like for a long time because of Colonel Tom Parker. So, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And Dan, I have a I have a question for you. I you know I feel like we're kind of going all over the place with Elvis stuff, so I'm just gonna lean into it. Uh, who is your favorite on screen Elvis? Like who has played Elvis in a movie? Oh wow, good question. Um, I, I need to think about that. Do you have one in in mind? Because I need to think about I, it for a moment. I do. Um. And this is one that surprised me because I thought, like, this is ridiculous. This person looks nothing like Elvis. I don't know them from any movies where it feels like Elvis. And that's Michael Shannon in the uh, Elvis and Nixon movie. And um, really, really fascinating performance. And I, I love him so much. But, you know, you've got... Kurt Russell um in yeah John Carpenter yeah. made like the Elvis miniseries that Kurt Russell right. did. I've yeah. never so, seen I'm I'm trying to think of how many on-screen Elvises I've actually seen. The only one that I can think of off the top of my head, well aside from like um aside like, from Home Alone where he's allegedly in the airport line. Uh, right, yes. There's so a not- there's a there's a, th- a theory that a conspiracy theory that the actual Elvis alive in ninety one. Is that when uh, Home Alone came that out? That came out in ninety, so probably filmed. ninety uh, yeah. was uh, behind Catherine O'Hara in a scene at an airport. <laughs> As well, he should be behind Catherine yeah. O'Hara. She's yes, brilliant. That's right. She's a goddess. Uh, so the the on screen Elvis. So there's um oh I forget the name of the actor. I see, it's like Michael Saint Gerard or something like that who played Elvis okay. in Great Balls of Fire, the Jerry Lynn oh, Lewis movie with Dennis Quaid. Yeah. But I the one the first one that comes to mind is David Keith. This is David Keith, not Keith huh. David. That I not can Keith David. That being no, confusing. But uh, David Keith, uh, the actor who I um, I think he was nominated for an Academy Award for an Officer and a Gentleman, played oh. Elvis in a movie actually that I that we've spoken about somewhat recently called Heartbreak Hotel. And oh. this is this is a movie from 1988, I think. Okay. Starred Charlie Schlatter. Uh, uh, um, Charlie Schlatter. That's why we would have talked about her. Yeah, huh? yeah, from 18 again. And uh, Char- and hey, so- Charlie Schlatter, if you're listening, because I know you follow us on Instagram, how's it going? Yeah. All right. Yes. Um. So yeah, Charlie. Uh, Charlie Schlatter plays the son of Tuesday Weld, and. Oh. Uh, she's, she's kind of a, you know, like you could tell, um, her best days are behind her. She's kind of like a tired, it takes place in 1972 and she's obsessed with Elvis. Okay. And her son who just wants her to like have something positive in her life, her son and his friends kidnap Elvis. Oh, Okay. They, I don't want to talk talk about it too much because we we may cover this yeah. uh, this movie at some point because I uh, I haven't seen it in years and actually you know it was directed speaking of Home Alone directed by Chris Columbus. Oh well, hey, you know what, Charlie Schlatter, if you are listening and you want to come and guest on an episode or we talk about Heartbreak Hotel, the invitation is open anytime you want. I mean, I would love to watch it again. It's been such a long time since I've seen it, and I just remember feeling like it was such a it was such a feel good movie, and it was nice because also like Elvis kind of gets like 
humbled in it and he kind of he like you know hangs out at their at their house for a little while and uh-huh. just kind of like finds his roots again and uh-huh. yeah, I, and i remember feeling like david keith just uh, was was a really good elvis i have no like real basis for judgment no. there but uh he was very good i i all the other movies that i could think of that involve elvis are like honeymoon in vegas where right yeah yeah, you, you've got a bunch of Elvis impersonators. It's a little different. A little yeah. different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I have I, you have you seen the uh, Elvis and Nixon one with Michael Shannon? I have not seen that oh, one. Oh, Dan, no. you got to watch it. It's really good. It's no, really yeah, good. Yeah, I will. I will check that out. I got to see where where I can access that. There. Uh, I think that's the first time where I saw. Michael Shannon and something aside from uh, Groundhog Day where I was like, oh, no, 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 no. He is a lot of fun. And uh, I I have to watch more from this guy. That was the one where, yeah, that happened for me. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's great. You should def- definitely check it out. Not not to go on. I'm going to go on a brief Michael Michael Shannon uh, tangent tangent here and refer to another movie that I watched not too long ago where he's a lot of fun. It was a movie recommended to us by, by our uh, on, actually on the podcast by our friend and former guest Jeff Rubin, who okay. who recommended the movie Premium Rush. Oh. Which, you know, that's one where that I've never seen that I've been like, I would watch it if I was flipping through and just needed something to put on. And, you'd watch you know. it if you were like, what's a neat 90 minutes and let me see what's on yeah. stars. Premium Rush. I, you know, I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt a lot. And knowing that Michael Shannon is in it sounds great to me. D- all I'm going to say, check it out. Let's get back to Love Me Tender. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what we're talking about. The Confederacy. So, um, yeah. I, I mean, Dan, what were some of the things about this movie that that kind of stuck with you? Um, well, I mean, Richard Egan's performance. Uh, He's just so yeah. rugged. First and foremost. Yeah, it was was his performance. I thought that there were just there were, there were so many moves that I thought it was going to make because it just seemed like kind of like a stereotypical you know, fifties Western, like Western, yeah. not directed by John Ford. So yeah. I thought that it was inter- like, I thought it was interesting that like when Vance is on the train, uh, you know, after, after he's arrested and he's on the train that he makes the deal and he's like, uh, yeah, you know what? That's fine. I'll give you, we'll give back the money. I thought that was, uh, yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, he, he I he I comes thought, to terms with the reality of it. Yeah. Right, right. I thought that Kathy being as conflicted as she was and not necessarily, you know, not she wasn't like I'm married to Clint now. We can't do like, you know, no. Yeah. She's kind of like uh I did, I thought you were dead, but if I didn't think you were dead, <laughs> I wouldn't have married your brother. Right. And I think that that's also another interesting, entirely separate movie that could have happened where it's somebody who's off to war and they married the brother instead. And then I don't know. I mean, I don't I feel like that. that I feel like that that part of it. I don't I can't tell you what like movie or book I've seen that in before, but that that part of it feels pretty familiar but like and also that like that 
Kathy. Also, Kathy doesn't really like once she finds out that Vance really stole the money. She's like, wait, what? You you did do it? Uh, Yeah, kind of. She's like, okay. (laughs) She's not. Yeah, for sure. She's not like disgusted. No, you lied. Um, So that that kind of that's that stuck with me. Uh, the, the relationships, um, the, the, like Brett and Ray, the, the fact that they really were just kind of there to be Vance's yes men that Uh stuck with me in a, in a different way. The idea, sorry, I'm looking through, through some, some notes here, but, um, you know, also the fact that like that, yeah, Elvis didn't, he was in a supporting role. I thought that was really good for him him yeah i i imagined that like when he when he dies i just i just imagined like theaters full of elvis fans just bawling because especially then like man take it seriously and it was like elvis was really like elvis dying up on the big screen um so and i think just overall that i enjoyed it yeah. And honestly, I don't know, like, it's one of the, the great things about doing this podcast is that I don't know that I would have ever watched Love Me Tender no, without never. this motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just speaking about, you know, his death, it's certainly a much more uh, dignified death than Elvis's actual death. Poor guy. I I would say so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so... What about I agree you? with you. I know I agree with you. Um, I I found a lot of the, uh, it's certainly, um, Vance is a really compelling character. I would have loved to have seen more of his, you know, feelings about the war ending. You know, having him really like talking to somebody. Maybe it's one of his brothers, like about like how he feels about the whole situation coming back with, with Clint. And, you know, I, I just feel like I'm missing that a little bit. Uh, certainly I felt like Kathy needed to have more of a, a moment of, you know, talking things through, you know, maybe with like the mother, because she's, she's there. She's the only other person that seems to talk to Kathy. So it's like, you know, I, and she's the mother to both of these guys. So certainly she'd be, you know, a good ear for this kind of thing where just just like saying like, you know, this is really a conflicting situation. I don't know what we can possibly do about this because somebody's getting hurt no matter what. And uh, I don't know. I, I think that that would have been, that would have made it a little bit better for me. Granted, it's, it's just not, that's not what's central to the, to the movie. Yeah, I don't know. There was just I I really also just could have done without the songs. Uh, you oh, know, it wasn't Definitely. That's not what I was there for. I was there to watch Elvis act. It it would have it would have been like if they if if like, oh, like they're making Dunkirk and it's like, wait, Harry Styles is in this and he's not singing? What? Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> Give uh, Harry Styles a song while he's like dive bombing Germans. Yeah, and you know what? That's actually something that I was thinking about I I was thinking about Harry Styles and Dunkirk uh, when I was really thinking about like how we could bring this movie back. And if we want to just launch into this uh, next part where we talk about, you know, what we could do, I'm just going to say like, 
I I think it's fascinating when we have musicians going into acting. And I and I believe that for Elvis, it was something that he had always intended on doing was acting. It was something that he always wanted to do was act. So, uh, and for other entertainers, it's kind of like a a stunt move, you know, putting Bon Jovi in a movie or, I don't know, like... Westerns, man, blaze of glory. Yeah. Although bon-, bon Jovi had a somewhat prolific he, acting career there did. in the 90s. Yeah, no, that's true. But, uh, you know, thinking about Harry Styles in Dunkirk and knowing how seriously Christopher Nolan takes his work and his craft, I'm sure that he wouldn't have put Harry Styles in just to get, like, young girls in the seats of Dunkirk. Like, that's just not, you know, that type of movie or that type of filmmaker. But uh, I think that for me, something that would be really interesting is if every pop star who wanted to be in a movie had to be in a remake of Love Me Tender. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. There's, I don't know. Name a, name any pop singer. I'm thinking, okay, so, like, JoJo Ar- Siwa or something. Ariana like, Grande as Kathy. Ariana, yeah, like, yeah, and it yeah, right. Um yeah, like if if it's I I don't know, but I like the idea of it being like the third build character. Like cast not the, the main I, cast character. Cast the Eilish siblings as the Renos. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Phineas as Ray. Are is Hanson too old to do that now? Hanson is way too old to uh, I mean there's there's a Vance in there somewhere. Yeah. I mean Vance. Yeah. yeah um so yeah no my idea would just be to like okay you want to you are a singer who wants to be in a movie we are going to spend five hundred thousand dollars on remaking this like crappy western and i and you are going to be third build in it and we'll see what happens but if you want to do more of these you have to do this one first and you know what guess what you're supporting the Confederacy. Let's see if you can get through this. <laughs> so that's the so that's the test is just like there's maybe each year there's a new remake of Love Me Tender with like the new next like pop star yeah. turned actor. Yeah. Man, it's a good thing because Lady Gaga thing like, did Star is Born before this rule came up. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. But she would have been a good Kathy. I feel like uh, we would have gotten some some more out of it. But also, it's like it would have been interesting to see how things would change from per- from performance or production to performance or production because you know any input that would be put in. I don't know. It just it'd be interesting to see that kind of thing. Or you could have it. It could be like the different. I was like, all right, maybe not studios. I feel like now, like. It's streaming services, not studios, but streaming services where each streaming service could have its own Love Me Tender remake with with a different pop star. So it's, uh, you know, kind of like the Dueling Firefest documentary. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Or like this one, you got like little fires everywhere on this one, big big little lies on here and like lying fires. Pretty little liars. Pretty little liars. Uh, yeah, and um, 
Nine Perfect Strangers and White Lotus and yeah. They all kind of seem like different takes on, or maybe not, I don't know about White Lotus, but all the other ones are like all all these different takes on, like Little Fires Everywhere and Big Little Lies, I felt like were very, and I don't know if it's the Reese Witherspoon thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those same, those seem very familiar, but uh yeah, now who else? Can we get little? I mean, could you do a looser remake and get like Lil Nas X in there? Yeah, absolutely. Lil Nas X. I mean, uh, following his career has been really interesting, and you know, this is somebody who really just came out of nowhere and was just like a regular. I'm just a person who is who likes music and has some good ideas to like every song is a hit single and uh, like well, didn't even put out an album until just a couple months ago. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. It was just the, the EP until then. But, yeah. and he's also, but he's also like, if you think about him, like in terms of co- compared to Elvis, he's a game changer. Yeah. In in the industry. And he's someone doing something. Granted, I mean, Elvis, Elvis wasn't necessarily doing things that other people weren't doing. Elvis just managed to to like click. Elvis wasn't doing Elvis was doing things that white people weren't doing. Well, yeah, I mean, except for like, you know, Carl Perkins and yeah, but Elvis was just doing them with that extra bit of flair and there was something else there was that, that Forrest sexual Gump flair right that the you know that dancing with leg braces on yeah flair that uh the, you know carl perkins was not doing that so i think elvis being you know just kind of looking at elvis as a as a um you know as kind of revolutionary not so he was just kind of like he hit the mainstream and at that yeah. time you know, it's kind of like if it's it wasn't like you knew all the like indie artists because like of their SoundCloud, right? So, yeah, like they did that. The only clouds then were actual clouds. Oh Dan, oh Dan. Okay, you just celebrated your birthday and then you just showed your age right Good. there with Good. that one. Good. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. Okay. So, so so what what did you think about uh, what to do with this one? Well, I kind of thought about just the I kind of brought it down to basics there with the 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 concept and like why don't we have a a loose remake but kind of go back to the the Reno Brothers as the title make it a yeah. western make it a western thriller and it's a thriller where the and I and I would honestly like kind of get rid of the rest of the gang and I would just have the Reno brothers be the ones yeah. to steal the union money. And then uh, and then they go back and like I want to see Vance dealing with like the karmic consequences of of things that that he's done. So if we're going to start the movie with the Reno brothers uh, killing union soldiers and posing as them to steal money, then I want to see like for the rest of the movie, I want to see like some karma and I want to see it. Maybe it's like a psychological struggle within, you know, Vance and I guess to Brett, Brett and Ray as well. And then I was thinking, well, what if 
uh like what if vance comes back i don't know like what if uh what if kathy and clint have a baby i mean he's gone for what four years yeah Yeah. he's gone for four years i don't know when clint and kathy like get married but what if vance comes back and now like you know kathy and clint have a kid together yeah that that changes things and I think if you emphasize, you know, focus just more on the plot and the the characters, cut the music. And I mean, I hey, look, you want to bring in a you know, up and coming musical star as as Clint? Sure. Why not? But I, I think like a Western, a Western thriller. And it's like I would love to you know who I would love to see write it is uh taylor sheridan who wrote uh hell or high water have you seen that i was thinking about hell or high water uh when kind of going over this one because it is you know it's a modern day western heist movie like about you know, brothers robbery movie about brothers yeah so it, there was definitely a lot about it that i was thinking about and um incredibly well done a uh, fantastic movie oh great movie great movie hell or high water uh, but I, I was like, I just, I thought I was like, man, you know, Taylor Sheridan would be the the right person. For some reason, though, I was also thinking about it, and I was like, what would it be like if David Lynch directed this remake? Because uh-huh. I, I don't know that, like David Win, David Lynch, I feel like has involved Western elements. Yeah, in in his films, there's you know some elements of of westerns, uh, probably most in like Wild at Heart. Right. But uh, I would be really interested to see David Lynch kind of try to, you know, not try to, but just direct a a straight up Western. But then, you know, I think what David Lynch is really good at is focusing on like psychological conflict. Uh-huh. I mean, among among yeah. other things. But I think that's where uh, a David Lynch remake of Love Me Tender that's more of a psychological Western thriller. I would go see that. <laughs> yeah, I think that you're right. I mean, the element of the the guilt behind this robbery that at that point with the war being over was for nothing. You know, lives were lost, a, a crime was committed, and it was for no purpose at that point. And... I think that that's definitely a much more interesting story, like that the choice to keep the money rather than surrender it is, uh, you know, just eating away at this person. And I mean, you can still keep some of the other elements, you know, perhaps there is still a situation of like you were presumed dead and you came back and your your life is not what you thought it was going to be. And maybe you're not a celebrated person war hero or anything you're just you know this forgotten guy or just like you lost the war like you were on the losing yeah. side it would just think about like how the the brothers you know even brett and ray like what if there starts to be dissension among them and what if after this you know these crimes that they commit and then after the war and they're like oh we lost the war and so we're like we're criminals triply over what if yeah. they start to feel like why there's no reason to 
to cling to any type of morals. Right. It's like we've already broken the law. You think of them as being religious, which religion really isn't a, a factor in Love Me Tender, but I would imagine that they would have been religious. Yeah. You know, what if they're kind of like, well, we're going to hell anyway. Sure. Maybe Brett, yeah. maybe Brett goes and like robs a bank. Yeah. So you no, could, I, I think you could do a it's lot. Fascinating. With it. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Just cut the fucking so, songs. Yeah, cut the songs. Uh, there is no need for those. I mean, there was a need for them in the sense that Elvis was in this movie, and that's what the arrangement was. <laughs> uh, and you know what? It, it's it'd be interesting to see what would have happened if he didn't sing in this movie. How that would have changed his career, and uh, you know, so much of. The world in terms of like music fandom and uh you know musicians performing and acting in movies the great legacy i did was he wasn't the first right oh yeah i'm sure but like when you talk about famous musicians i mean when it comes to uh, appearing as like a serious actor in a movie like i mean elvis how, you don't get much more like famous, at least in America, than Elvis. No. Yeah. No. I mean, I, unless you're Beyonce and, you know, she's done her share of films. Yeah. But yeah. No, uh, no, no definitely. With Austin Powers. Uh, no, but. Uh, <laughs> no, Beyonce is at Dream Girls. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But no, but the thing is, like, it's what would have happened if Elvis didn't. I don't know, like make these movies. It's it's just an interesting thought experiment. Like what would have happened? Like, you know, would musicians in movies be a popular thing that happened? You know, would they have done, uh, you know, A Star is Born five times, four times, however many with times different, they did it. With different pop star, crossover pop yeah. star, movie stars, Barbara Streisand. Yeah, Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand's got quite an impressive film film career she sure does uh, as an actress as, and a director and a director yeah absolutely i watched the prince of tides recently you know one of my favorite so i loved watching the academy awards when billy crystal hosted uh-huh. and i always loved his song at the beginning and in the year that prince of tides was nominated which it, like it, the, the ceremony was in 92 it was for the right. movies from 1991 so it was just amazing all over but he was in his song in his opening medley i will never forget the, his line at the end of his section about the prince of tides where he, it's like seven nominations on the shelf did this film direct itself because Barbara Streisand <laughs> did not get nominated for Best yeah, Director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, That's remember so funny it, that you remember that. <laughs> to this, to this, well, I mean, I also like, I taped that Academy Award ceremony. Like, I watched that Academy Award ceremony for fun. Wow. <laughs> well, that oh was also God. like Jack Palance doing the one-arm that was push-ups. The, I know. Yeah. That was a phenomenal, like, there was this beautiful dance, uh, like, they they did a medley of all of the nominated scores and like a beautiful dance. Like I remember the the Fisher King music and oh, doing yeah, yeah. like uh awesome awesome car. I mean, just such a, a great awards show. 
were the 1992 Academy Awards. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Wow. So. Uh, and amazing that you that you remember that snippet from Billy Crystal's song. I I, I mean <laughs> your recall for the strangest things. I don't even understand it. Yeah, I don't know what if I had any control over what my brain decided to hold on to. It would be a different looking library in there. Right now, it's yeah, just right. it's like random shit from 1986. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Dan, uh, any any last thoughts about Love Me Tender? No other than that I am I'm now a little bit more intrigued by El- Elvis's filmography. Um, yeah. Uh, it did want to revert, you know, he he wasn't a big screen Elvis, but someone who did a m- marvelous Elvis impersonation, Eddie Murphy. Uh, <laughs> who in his uh, Eddie Murphy's Delirious, which there there's a dozen trigger warnings for it, but uh, he has a great bit about Elvis doing movies where they were just like uh, where they and and he tells the story a little differently, where it's where it's like Elvis got so famous they wanted to put him in movies. And he did he does this imaginary thing with the producers talking, and he's like, "What do you?" Or we got to put him in movies. He can't act. Now, fuck it. Let him sing his lines. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he, yeah. Elvis, we going to win this race. We're going to win this race. <laughs> uh, but that's the thing is like, he was actually decent. He was at, in his role, in his parts where he's just like playing a, a person for a first movie. It's like, he could have been a, a good actor if he was given the opportunity to like grow as an actor who just acts. I mean, look, he and, probably uh, was not going to be Marlon Brando. <laughs> no, but you, we don't know that. And and also it's like, you know, I, I definitely want to watch more of his movies, um, especially Change of Habit, which hopefully we'll have an opportunity to do in the show. It's not streaming anywhere right now, but we'll see if we can track down a copy. And, uh, Come on, stars. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, November it's 1st really is fat- coming, stars. <laughs> Yeah, it's you know, I uh, that's his final movie, and uh, at that after that point, he just stopped being in movies. I he probably did concert films and things like that, but you know, as an actor, that was his last one. And with Mary Tyler Moore, that's so cool. So yeah. Anyway, that's where I am with with that situation. Dan, do you want to tell everyone what we're doing on the next episode? Yeah. So our next episode, get ready, sci-fi fans. We are doing 1989's. The Abyss. So James yeah. directed by James Cameron, starring Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, uh, yeah. Ed, Ed Harris, uh, Michael Bean is in there. And sure. oh, Chris Elliott. Chris Elliott has a uh, supporting role in The Abyss really? as well. I don't remember that. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, he, he, he's not going to get like fourth billing, but- yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to you know I watched it a few years ago. I'm excited to watch it again, and I'm sure that we're gonna have to do a, a bunch of research, especially about James Cameron's uh, underwater adventures and you know uh, all of the visual effects backstory that that goes with the abyss. So I'm I'm excited. Right. I'm excited. So, yeah, um, it's gonna be cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, and Dan, you just celebrated a birthday and, you know, I took advantage of a sale on tpublic.com and I ordered you a bunch of stuff from our store. I think some of something else should have arrived today. I think I got a notification about that. Oh. I believe I received a tote bag. Oh, yes, you did. Yeah. Good, good journey yeah. tote bag. Good, so, good journey tote bag. Uh, yeah. Love so, it. Um, Dan, uh, I don't know. Give me your review. What are the the products like? Well, here, hold on. Uh, yeah, I, I took mean, advantage. This isn't quite a review, but I'm going to show you. Like, So, I, first of all, let's start oh, with speaking the- of city slickers, speaking of Jack yeah. Palance winning the Academy Award. City Slickers opening credits inspired, <laughs> written by uh, Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel, uh, Notebook. A little spiral notebook, but I'm telling you, like the make of this is like it's a nice, it's a it's a nice notebook. I Good. keep it. I've got it by my desk to uh, to to write my. Uh, my witty dramedies that you know, in the spirit <laughs> they of have heart. And they have heart. They have heart. They have heart. They are totally. They have heart. Uh, so. No, the 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 notebook is great. I mean, you know, the magnet. Is, I love the design of the magnet is from the oh, uh, yeah. the the problem child inspired ruined childhoods, which also um oh uh uh and then there was uh the oh my god why am I blanking? Mu- I got you a the mug, mug with the our mug. Uh, Paramount Pictures logo inspired design. Yeah. Yeah. No, the mug is great. Look, coffee just tastes better. <laughs> I should say, like, it's best for reheated coffee. Uh, you know, it's it's funny because I uh, I was like, what am I going to get Dan for his birthday? And I was like, I know, I'll get him a bunch of shit from our own store. <laughs> well, and what's what's funny is in thinking because I don't know. I'm like, I don't ask. For, I, I, I appreciate it. I love it, but you know, I don't ask for things. And when I was thinking about like, well, what could I actually use? I was like, you know what? I don't have any of our stuff. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't either. have. <laughs> like, I don't. I, and and I've been meaning to because we ha- we have so many great like shirts. Yeah, and, uh, and, and actually, T Public just came out with. Uh, yeah, well, they do have face masks, but they also have a new style of shirt, which is like a more like comfortable fit type of situation. So I might. Uh, on the next, they they regularly do like thirty five percent off sales, so that's the time to um to jump on it. Uh, but it's yeah, uh, you know, there's more stuff to come soon. But the designs are like the designs are fun and yeah. like I was I you know I was really I was really happy. The magnet and the ma- like the design. I love the design on the magnet with the little like a problem child with the VHS tape head. Uh, yeah, and, and you can get that as a shirt or whatever else. Yeah. Oh yeah, all this stuff. But the um, uh, good journey. I keep wanting to say greeting starfighters. The yeah. the the good the good journey tote bag, and it's big. Like it's a big tote bag. It's not like there a little... are three different size options. I got you the biggest one. Oh, that's because I care. Thank you. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean you know great. You know, I always like to have a tote bag with me. To if if I if I'm making an unexpected stop at the grocery store, Dan, everybody knows why to get a tote bag. <laughs> why no, tote I, bags are look. I'm just saying, uh, but I'm also saying like I appreciate it because I use them. Of course, look, yeah. I don't just assume everybody uses tote bags and carries them around. With yeah, them it's for the environment, man. Come on. Yeah, save our planet. 
Uh, yeah. But save our planet and and get our merch and. Uh, but yeah, lots of cool stuff. Like, hey, maybe you've maybe you've been watching like all of Oscar Isaac's stuff that's out all that's out it. recently. Like, you just watched like you just turned on HBO Max and like binge watched the scenes from a marriage and then Dune and then you watched the Adams Family. Get yourself an Oscar freaking Isaac shirt or yeah, something. It's funny because when I submitted the design for that. Uh, T Public actually had to uh, put a hold on it before it was available because they had to clear it to see if it would be considered Dune merchandise. <laughs> and it is so not. <laughs> it is Oscar Isaac merchandise. Yes, it is. Uh, so, yeah, everybody check out our T Public store. The link is in our link tree where you can uh, you can find that in the episodes description, the show notes and uh, as well as our social media stuff. And you can email us ruinchildhoodspot at gmail dot com. And uh, yeah, Dan, as you are on the train on your way to go confess your robbery, I wish you a good journey. Good journey. Leave us virus, leave us quick, we want you to go. I don't want my neighbor sick, and we hate you, so leave us virus. Leave us germ. We have had our fill. COVID-19 makes me squirm. And it always will. Leave us virus. Go away. You have changed our plans. We don't want you here today. Do you understand? Leave us virus. You really stink. You have stolen my spring. You should exit what I think. That is why I sing. Leave us virus. Leave us now. While we hunker down. We'll survive. I know somehow. Please, I pray, leave town. Leave us, virus. Leave us now. While we hunker down, we'll survive. I know somehow. Please, I pray, leave town. 
just leave town already. We're about, we're about done with you. No one asked you to steal spring from us. Spring may make me sneeze, but it's a good, good season. The flowers bloom and the bees buzz. And I'm about over you, Pat COVID-19. What are you thinking sticking around my town? You weren't invited and you just need, you just need to go.